welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Acts 1, verses 4 onwards. And this is what Jesus said. These are what um, pretty much his last words were before he left earth after he was risen again, um, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptized there, we usually think of it as baptized in water, but it basically means to be completely submerged, completely overwhelmed. Uh, completely saturated. So um, in a few days' time, you'll be completely saturated, overwhelmed, and powered with the Holy Spirit. Go down to verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is pretty much New Zealand, uh, locationally for where, or geographically, where they said, when they said this. Um, So the Holy Spirit's power wasn't for them just to to feel good and to have warm fuzzies. It was to mobilize them to go and transform their world. These are what Jesus, uh, the last words Jesus said before he sent it to the Father. They're important words. So we're looking at that this morning. um, And we're looking at uh, three instances in the book of Acts um, that actually showed or um, recorded this incredible encounter where the Holy Spirit fell in power and changed people's lives. And I've I've sort of talked about this a few times over the last few weeks, but there's a little bit of confusion with a lot of churches. We've got to understand that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is different from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we give our lives uh, to God. And there is a, a lot of scriptures that basically Uh, prove that, that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We literally become God carriers to this lost world. And if you want to hear more about that, uh, please check out last week's message. It's online or uh, in the the interweb somewhere. But indwelling is different from empowering. Empowering is this incredible encounter. And it started with the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church and empowered them for service, empowered them for ministry, empowered them to transform the world. And we sort of think, well, yeah, God's called me to change the world. We're never, ever going to do that unless we're filled with the power of God, supernatural indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I just don't get how many Christians think, well, yeah, I can, I can live this Christian life to the fullest, but completely disregard the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work. So for those of us, wherever uh, we're at this morning, maybe we've, we got filled with the Holy Spirit. We got baptized in the Holy Spirit way back in 69. Um, it needs to be a continual thing. If you still got that fire, that passion, that longing, that desperation that you had when you were first saved, then when you first encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, for those of us that are saved and, and sort of not quite sure because it's quite weird, and, and I do admit, you know, in our Western thinking, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be a little bit weird. Um, if you are in that camp, let's just be open to whatever God has for us. He's not going to give you dumb stuff. 
Let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in place. Remember, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait because I'm going to give you this incredible promise. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present... Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I like the, uh, the Passion Translation. In that verse, it says, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they have never learned. Verse five, at the time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So these new believers were pretty loud and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Let's go down to verse 12. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Uh, it's interesting how the baptism in the Holy Spirit um, can be mistaken, I guess, from people uh, being intoxicated. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd because they had no PAs back in those days. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. So they were basically, this incredible encounter was happening at about nine o'clock, um, which I think is awesome. It's about now. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm dreaming a lot of dreams lately. What does that make me? What does that make everyone older than me? In those days... I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will all prophesy. I get so excited when I hear about this encounter because it wasn't just something that happened 2,000 and something years ago. It's available to us today. God wants to give this incredible experience and encounter to us today because we need to be empowered to transform this world. We absolutely need the power of God. So just a few observances from this encounter. The people were hungry and expected. They were desperate to have all that God had for them. How do I know this? Because 10 days before this, Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem until I give you what I promise. So they had been there for like 10 days waiting for this incredible baptism of the Holy Spirit that they didn't quite know what it was about. They were excited about it. They were hungry. Have we got a hunger for everything God has for us? These guys must have taken annual leave because they were like, okay, the Holy Spirit's gonna come at like nine o'clock and this exactly time. They never had that. They just said, go and wait. And they were praying and they were expectant. And I think that's why God moved back in the, the 70s, early 70s, uh, right through to 80s, it was called the Charismatic Renewal. There was a, a revival in the Christian church 
basically all over the world in pretty much every denomination of this experience. Why? Because people were so hungry. They were desperate for God to move again. Why? Because in the late 60s, we had um, free love, which wasn't free love at all. Uh, So many people were broken. It was the drug revolution. It was the Middle East and everyone was doing crazy stuff. And the people of God understood they needed something to happen. They needed God afresh in their lives again because it was their responsibility to change their generation. They were carrying God. Guess what? In this generation, that is us. We are called to carry the presence and the power and the purposes of God to this lost world. And don't take it from me, you guys know this, it's getting worse out there. It's time for us to get hungry and desperate and long for God again. It was like that third song. Man, that's a good song. Who wrote that song? My soul longs for you. We absolutely need to get back in that place again. And I just wanna honour everyone that goes to the pre-service prayer meeting. Now, I'm almost 50. I was one of the youngest there. Where are the younger generations that wanna grab a hold of this baton and lead the charge uh, charge in prayer again for the younger generations? They were expectant and hungry. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. This encounter is not just for one person that's extra especially holy and this person who's not. It's for every believer. They spoke in unlearned languages, languages that they had never learned. And as a result, they changed their world. Guess why? They didn't go straight back up into the upper room again. They didn't say, man, this was an incredible experience. Let's just go stay in the upper room. No, they went out and they changed their world. That's in Jerusalem. The second account is in Caesarea, Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was speaking or preaching, the Holy Spirit cascaded, I love that, or fell over all those who were listening to this message. The Jewish brothers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift, it's another word for the baptism, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, was poured out on people, people who weren't Jews. For they heard them speaking in supernaturally given languages and passionately praising God. Now this is slightly different um, encounter to what we saw on the day of Pentecost. These guys were, were listening to, to Peter preaching and God just came unexpectedly and sovereignly and, and fell upon them in power. So sometimes the baptism of the Holy Spirit can happen to a group of people um, just because God's sovereign and He can do that. But I understand one thing though, they were still hungry. They were still passionate to receive everything that God had. They were were believing in faith. Again, over all. So again, this isn't just for one person over here who's got brownie points with God this week and this person over here who doesn't feel worthy. It's for all believers everywhere. Speaking in an unlearned language and passion are some of the evidences of Holy Spirit baptism. And again, the results, they transformed their world. That's in Caesarea. Let's have a look at Ephesus. Again, the Holy Spirit comes in power, empowers people, baptizes people in His power. Uh, But again, slightly different. Acts chapter 19, verses one onwards. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. So this isn't like the 12 disciples. This is another group, 12 of them. 
the first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? Because sometimes as soon as people get born again, um, they get this incredible encounter of the Holy Spirit. They're pretty much baptized in the Holy Spirit um, straight away. No, they replied, We're not e- we've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. So to them, it really was, wait a second, there's another guy? It's God the Father, God the Son, and this other guy? What's his name? We don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. Paul asked them, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John's baptism were for those who were turning from their sins, and he taught you to believe and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus, the Anointed One. When they understood this, they were baptized under the authority of Jesus. They were baptized Um, the anointed one. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. So again, this is slightly different. Holy Spirit baptism happens when faithful believers lay their hands on um, other people and they pray in faith that they will receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, this word laying on of hands, we don't use that often. It sounds like, is that guy's, you know, lay hands on him? It sounds like you're going to beat them up. Um, it's not like that. Um, in, in our church circles, it's where someone who's ministering uh, with the power of God, they, they lay their hands on the shoulder or whatever. There's power and touch and pray and believe in faith. And, and here we see exactly that. Paul laid his hands upon these people that were desperate and hungry for all that God wanted for them, and they received power. They were all baptized, all 12 of them. Again, this is for everyone. They all spoke in unlearned languages and they prophesied as a result. They changed their world. There's a few common denominators happening here. And I just wanna say from those three accounts, there's some conclusions that we can draw. Number one, the experience and blessing of Holy Spirit empowerment is available to all Believers, we've got to understand that it's available to all of us. Now, there is some confusion uh, with people because there are some verses that talk about if this person speaks in tongues or this person doesn't. That is not talking with the, the, the gift of um, tongues that happens with Holy Spirit baptism. It's talking about the specific spiritual gift of giving a public message in tongues which needs to be interpreted. That's different to this uh, The empowerment of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of of speaking an unlearned spiritual language, it's available for all believers. You don't have to miss out. You're not rejected with this. Sometimes it takes a little persistence, but this is available for all believers. Everyone say all. You guys got that? Awesome. Number two, Holy Spirit baptism can happen unexpectedly, sovereign move of God. It can happen deliberately when people are hungry um, and then people pray for those people. And we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna pray for you if you are hungry. Uh, But hunger is always involved. Hunger for God is always involved. Gotta be hungry for everything God has. And thirdly, evidence of Holy Spirit baptism includes the ability to speak in an unlearned language, moving in the Holy Spirit gifts. I'll talk about that soon. For example, prophecy. It includes passion and boldness and courage for God. So the purpose of power, let's just look at that. And please note, 
God will move in people's lives and it does make us feel awesome. Uh, the power of God is amazing, but it's not primarily just so that you can get warm fuzzies. The purpose of power is so that we can go and transform our world, so that we can receive power from on high for ministry. Um, one of the part of our purpose statement as a church, literally it's written down, so that we, we exist as Renewed Church to transform our world. We can't transform our world without understanding the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. So the purpose of power, number one, an unlearned language. Again, I just want to de-weirdify this because it's like speaking in tongues. That's really weird, Simon. Um, and I guess it is to our Western world. It's like, this is weird. You go to, go to people that are more uh, nations that are very much um, spiritual nations, spiritual, and they don't have any problem with this, but to our Western um, secular, um, skeptical Mind, sometimes this can be pretty weird. I just want to de-weirdify it. First of all, speaking in tongues is a form of prayer in which our spirit is communicating directly with God. It's speaking in another language that you have never learned. It can either be a heavenly language, like tongues of angels, it talks about that, or it can be an earthly language, tongues of men. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 uh, sort of dis describes that, and my kids think I'm crazy, but as you know, I'm an Indiana Jones fanatic. I love Indiana Jones. Um, and in Indiana Jones, in the kingdom of the crystal skull, um, there is a part there where these, these Mayan natives um, are speaking in this real ancient dialect of Mayan. And I thought, wow, that sounds very similar to the, the, the language, uh, spiritual language that God's given me. And it, it does sound pretty close. I would like to think it does. <laughs> tongues of men and angels. So I did a little bit of researching this week about this because there's actually a lot of scientific research about the phenomenon of speaking in tongues, and especially two papers, one from the Department of Theology and Religious Studies in the University of Botswana, and secondly, a neuroscientist from the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Andrew Newberg. And this is scientific people um, that may not necessarily have any faith, but they've done a lot of research about this. They've um, hooked up people's brains to this. A few things they've realized, and this cannot be argued. Speaking in tongues, it has the rhythm and qualities of a real language. It's not just made up from our imagination. Uh, you can't do that. It has the qualities and rhythm of a real language. The part of our brain that should light up when we're communicating doesn't light up. So it's a real language and we're speaking it, but it doesn't come from the brain that should be enabling us to speak. Uh, it's got the cadence of um, children that are learning a language for the first time, which is very interesting. Um, parts of brain that shouldn't be lighting up, light up when people speak in their heavenly language. And they've actually, and I know offense to any atheists listening to this, uh, but, but they hooked up, they do the same um, experiments on atheists and there are parts of their brain that never light up. We're spirit, soul, and body. If you're not spiritual, you're missing out a third of the deal. And fourthly, everyone feels encouraged and strengthened when they speak in the language that the Holy Spirit has given them. And that's available for everyone. Who wouldn't want that? Um, it's an unlearned language. Just some 
benefits of speaking in our heavenly language. Personal spiritual strength, 1 Corinthians 14.4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Man, I need so much strength every day to live this Christian life. Spiritual warfare, when, when you get a group of people, even by yourself, and you start speaking in the language God has given you, uh, it changes the atmosphere. And if this is all new to you, I really encourage you, get along to our pre-service prayer meeting. It's like quarter past eight or half past eight on a Sunday. And there are mature believers and they're all speaking together in their heavenly languages. And you, it's such the most amazing atmosphere. It's spiritual warfare, changing the atmosphere, worship. Sometimes our own language, and especially English, because it's not that good a language as far as describing stuff. There's a lot better languages. Sometimes our language just doesn't uh, have the words to express our love and gratitude to God. And that's why it's awesome to pray and to praise in uh, your heavenly language. I love 1 Corinthians 14. It says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will do both. I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray in words I will understand. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in words I understand. Prayer, it's so important for prayer. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit who helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So it's just so awesome, guys. Just my heart is like, this is so awesome. Everyone who's a believer should be grabbing a hold of this and be so expectant and hungry because it's so awesome. It really is. Evidences of the Holy Spirit, holiness. Because the Holy Spirit's first name is holy. No, not really. I don't know if it's his first name, but that's his name. Holy Spirit, holiness, being set apart for God. It's not some legalistic thing. It's a relationship thing. But when you're filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, some things that you used to want to do, you just don't want to do them anymore. It's because of what God's done in your life. Boldness. And again, this is probably one of the main evidences that people were empowered by the Holy Spirit back in the book of Acts. The people that were cowardly, people that kept putting their feet in their mouths like Peter, all of a sudden, it says in times, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, they realized that they had been with Jesus. They were filled with, with God. They were bold when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Boldness is an evidence. Sometimes we think, well, I'm empowered by God because I can speak in tongues. I did that once a couple of years ago. It's not just speaking in tongues. It's holiness. It's courage. It's boldness. When was the last time we did something for God? We were terrified to do it, but we did it anyway because we had the power of God on the inside of us. And the ability to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 10, there's a whole lot of, um, it talks about all these incredible gifts that come from being empowered by the Holy Spirit. They come from being baptized. Baptism in the Holy Spirit's like the launch pad. It's the springboard to be able to, to move in these incredible supernatural gifts. Um, there's the power gifts, healings, miracles, 
faith. There's gifts called the revelatory gifts, which is wisdom, discernment of spirits, knowledge. Then there's the vocal gifts, prophecy, public tongues, interpretation of tongues. It doesn't happen often in in larger meetings, but it absolutely should be happening in connect groups. And it absolutely should be happening when we're out in this world ministering to people. You guys excited? Are you ready to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? No one said anything. (laughs) Thanks, Wayne. I'll pray for you later. No. Um, Because it goes quiet, because again, it's this responsibility thing. Are we ready? Are we wanting to take the responsibility of transforming our world seriously? God gave that responsibility to us and He hasn't got a plan B. And Christy and I are talking regularly about this and it breaks our heart. The the cancel culture, the woke culture, the, the people that are deconstructing their faith and we're hearing about it all the time. This world is a mess. And, and maybe a lot of us as Christians are a mess as well. We need a fresh move. And what happened with the charismatic renewal of the early 80s, it just started with people individually, they got together, they were passionate about God afresh, and because there was the the power of unity, God started to make it uh, more and more exciting and more people gathered. It happened um, in my lifetime, because I was around in the 70s, but I was little, when, when God moved in our youth church 20 years ago, but that's 20 years ago. That's two decades ago. We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And we can't rely on the bystander effect. Oh, it's going to happen over there. Oh, it happens in here. It happens with me. It happens with you. So again, I ask you, are you ready to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Ooh, 20% of you. That's good. That's enough. So how do we position ourselves? How do we lean in? How do we get excited about this? First of all, understand that God wants to baptize you. This is his gift to us. He's so keen. In Luke 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts, so eggs are good gifts, to your children, (laughs) how much more, sorry, no offense to all the vegans out there, but I just find that funny. If God knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We need to be expectant and excited enough to ask God. Understand, God wants to do this for us. Number two, be hungry. If I haven't said it enough, I'm gonna say it again. The common denominator in all of the Holy Spirit baptism accounts in the book of Acts and throughout history is this. People were hungry. People wanted to receive this from God. Number three, repent. Turn away from things that you're doing that are dumb, unrepentant sin, unforgiveness, dishonoring parents are three major ones, but there's a lot of other stuff. Turn away from those things. Get your life right with God. Step out in faith. God won't speak for you. He will fashion the words, but you've got to start speaking. 
Um, and that sounds crazy. That was crazy to me when I started understanding this, that I need to actually step out in faith and make a sound and start speaking in a language that I'd never learned. How do you do that? You, you just start and you probably sound pretty crazy. So I did this in the comfort of my own bedroom where people couldn't hear. Um, but in a, in, a, in a place like this, hopefully the volume's up loud enough so you won't feel embarrassed. But you've actually got to start, you've got to step out. And God will respond to your faith. And lastly, be persistent. It may not happen immediately. I was prayed for this um, at, a, at a youth rally and man, the power of God was I pretty much, I pretty think I was baptized in the Holy Spirit then, but it took me a while uh, to be released into uh, being able to speak in a heavenly language. And in some people, it takes time. Please don't be discouraged. I don't know one person um, that has been hungry, uh, that hasn't eventually been baptized and empowered by the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. I don't know one person who has, hasn't never received that and they've been hungry. Um, sometimes it takes a while, but it happens and it will happen for you. Stay persistent. So in conclusion, can we have the band up, please? I wanted to finish this a little bit early so we could have time. Um, Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time occurrence. Encounters with God, being empowered with uh, the presence and the purpose and the power of God is never meant to be a one-time occurrence. And I really encourage you, if you once had this encounter and it changed your life, but that was a while ago and you feel dry and powerless, please respond today. Please ask the Holy Spirit afresh to baptise you in power. And I find it interesting again that there is a, a direct uh, sort of, they use being intoxicated to sort of explain the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to touch on this before we, we finish. What do you do? Where do you go when you want to get drunk? You usually go to a bar, right? And what do you do? You go to a bar and it's like, okay, I'm in a bar. I, I, I don't do this, by the way, so I'm just imagining it. You're never going to get intoxicated by just sitting by yourself and not doing anything. You've actually got to go to the bartender and ask him, Sir, I want some of your very best top shelf stuff. You've got to be thirsty for it. You've got to actually move. You've got to respond. Or some people who are uh, sadly alcoholic, they will do this in secret, in, in the, the secret place where no one else is looking in their quiet place. As believers, we've got this incredible opportunity every day of going to that quiet place, that secret place with the Holy Spirit. So if you're here, you've got to ask for it. And thirdly, um, and I've seen enough movies to know this, people have what's called hip flasks. And throughout the day, they've got it in their back pocket. And they take swigs all throughout the day. Guess what? 
the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is available not just in the quiet place, not just in our church services, but available for us all throughout the day. Whenever we need Him, pray for all of us and for this church that we will learn to honour the gift of power that the Holy Spirit is so keen to give us. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.